Welcome to Inside the Economy with SHNJ. Presented by Larry Howes of Sharky, Howes, and Jaber. Learn more about Sharky, Howes, and Jaber at shwj.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. Uh, quick review of some of the domestic manufacturing. Uh, durable goods orders were down, uh, and the ISM survey that came out about 20 minutes ago is down just a little tiny bit. Uh, I think a lot of the manufacturing slowness around the globe, and slowness is a politically correct term, uh, is impacted U.S. manufacturing just a little bit. Our GDP came in a lot lower than we thought. There'll be more on that later. But the manufacturing sector uh, has been cooking through inventories. Again, we'll talk about that. But the positive side is, especially for the consumer, the uh, earnings that have been very, very important and we've been tracking closely have been holding. The uh, Even the hourly earnings percent change has been creeping up. The uh, good side of that is this, and that's uh, retail sales. And consumer spending has been positive. It's probably up about 25 3.5% on the year in real numbers. Okay, the question is, does that include autos? Yes, that does include autos. Uh, autos are still going to probably push past $16 million again, though they are slowing. Anyway, general merchandise stores, box stores, are repeating and continuing their trend down. Uh, the battle that Amazon continues to fight for not only online but non-store retailers is the term. Amazon is winning. I think their revenues will be $33 billion this quarter. Okay, now the other side is trying to get inflation in the system. And we continue to try. There is some move in the CPI and services. Obviously, everybody takes energy out of these numbers. Services has got a creeping little CPI in it. Uh, Goods, basic stuff you buy anywhere, also less food and energy. No, we're still in the hole. We're still in negative numbers. Uh, The goal here is to get U.S. inflation, either through the PCE or, in this case, the CPI, at 2. That's the Federal Reserve's target rate at 2. We're about 1.1. Some of the areas that are starting to to perk up a little bit, and remember this is on the heels of kind of boring GDP numbers in manufacturing, are most of the metals. Uh, Silver, copper, zinc, nickel being the important ones, and aluminum have picked up. They're out of their slump that they've been in for certainly all of this year and the last half of last year. Some of that is manufacturing. Some of that is uh, a part of how inventory is changing. Again, another relatively positive thing, corporate profits, and this is from Bureau of Economic Analysis, have revised their numbers up a little bit more. Now, we've talked about why the S&P has has been kind of flat for the last two and a half years. Well, a lot of the stories right here, profits have been down. 
A lot of that is momentum from the energy companies. Uh, they still aren't contributing, but everybody else is trying to make a turnaround. Airlines are making money. Uh, some of the auto manufacturers are making money. Those of you that are really interested in the technical side of things, here's the option-adjusted spread, uh, the OAS, and uh, it's creeping down. In many, For many people, that's sort of an indication that the stress that we had at the start of the year is starting to creep out of the system. What does option-adjusted spread mean? This uh, OAS is basically the spread between the S&P 500 and... Uh, the triple B bonds, Merrill's triple B bond uh, index. If people are buying more stocks versus bonds, there is an option you can buy to do that. And the spread between that option and the price of the triple B is what this is. And as that creeps down, there's less quote, quote me on that, less spread, less stress in the system. Uh, if there's stress in the system, people buy bonds. If there's less stress or more confidence in the system, and if you look at consumers, there certainly is confidence in the system, this number comes down. Nice jaunt into the technicalities there. Okay, here's the GDP. The, uh, the issue here, and I was, I'm certainly in that camp. This number should have been about two and a half. 2.3, and it might adjust up. Uh, the top of it, the services and non-durable goods and everything have been pretty good numbers all this last quarter. Inventories have been reduced. And uh, fixed income, <laughs> pardon me, fixed investment. The investment in uh, plant and equipment is rare. I think clearly the impact that China and their overinvestment in plant and equipment is impacting this number. Fixed investment outside of the United States is much worse than this. There's no reason for a company to invest in plant and equipment when you can get the stuff cheap elsewhere, and that's where we are. And inventory reductions has been a lot. We'll see how much the uh, uh, they adjust the GDP up. And it really, when you get right down to it, isn't that important. As long as these numbers don't start creeping negative, uh, the Fed is not going to be in a big hurry to raise rates, and we've talked about that too much already. So second quarter, unexciting. More later. Uh, as a reminder, here is what the GDP has looked like since about 1970, since our last big recession, and the trend is clearly down. We have had GDP pressure holding down uh, its growth for about 25 years now, and that is due to the end of an inflation cycle, big inflation cycle. You have to have inflation in the system to push GDP numbers. Things don't creep up just on their own. They have to be pushed up, and that's where we are. There's the reason to have inflation. There's why the stress in the GDP to go up is very, very limited. That's why the Fed is not in a big hurry to push their rates up. That's why the stock market has been flat for two years, and we're getting more pushback in the bond market. And speaking of the bond market, last week, interestingly enough, the five-year auction went on in New York. 
Uh, first time in, in since about 2009, everybody left about $42 billion worth of treasuries on the table. They couldn't give them away. Uh, they walked away from it. They just didn't need it. Or someone was anticipating a rate increase sometime in 2016. Anyway, now even treasuries have got a slightly lower price out there, slightly higher yield. The other side of the coin, and most of the EU numbers uh, are slow in getting here. Money supply, and this is European Union, money supply M2 is kind of creeping down. Loans to private sector, which is, as you recall, they have a lot of negative interest rates in their bonds and and sovereign debt. And the reason they have a negative interest rate is to inspire people to take their money out of government debt, sovereign debt, and go out and invest it in things. Well, well, no. Uh, not a lot is happening. We'll, we'll see the course of negative interest rates here in a while. But loans out in the private sector are flat once again. They had a nice trend for a little while when negative interest rate policy started. It has flattened. Some of that is Brexit. Some of that is, well, right now it doesn't matter. The uh, Of the faster-growing emerging markets, uh, India has popped out here once again at the top. Uh, well, it's a very difficult place to invest money. It's even more difficult in China if such a thing exists. Uh, the numbers here for Turkey at three and a half, I think are a little optimistic. And I note down there in the bottom, this is IMF's June report for Turkey. I think things have changed for the worse there. What is the bottom scale of the chart? Uh, percent change from their last report, and these reports come out every month. Uh, Brazil is pretty worse than that. Uh, let's see, that's negative three. They're pretty worse than that. Uh, Russia's making noises about coming out of their uh, slowdown. I find that hard to believe. Oil has dropped again. Uh, OPEC production is staying up there, so I don't know where Russia would be getting income to solve this. Anyway, there are the emerging markets. Uh, Indonesia might be a little optimistic. Mexico has, uh, they might be lowering rates here pretty soon, first time in about five years. What would cause India to have this much expansion? Both India and China uh, have to have GDP above seven to stay afloat. Uh, they have uh, very, very complex infrastructure and economic issues and some reporting issues. Uh, China is adopting and probably going to have to absorb the idea that their GDP is going to drop below 6 and stay below 6. That's kind of bad news in an effort to hold their currency up. Uh, India is worse. They have, uh, well, it's called a running in place, and they have to do more of it than anybody right now. So if you look over here and it says 7 and a quarter, you know, that's a projected annualized GDP that's actually kind of low for them. Uh, but compared to the rest of the emerging markets, they, uh, you know, it looks pretty good. IMF is, you know, very pro-India right now. So uh, 
that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of excitement right now. More on how the GDP gets handled as it gets updated. Thanks for listening.